Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of COS Live. I'm Rita Peters. I'm the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States Action. And we're broadcasting this morning because in just a few moments, we're expecting a hearing of the Wyoming Senate Committee on Corporations, Elections, and Political Subdivisions. They will be considering our Article 5 Convention of States application, which you will hear referred to in this committee as SJ-11. It is Senate Joint Resolution 11. Now, Convention of States Action co-founder and president Mark Meckler is on the ground ready to testify in favor of our Article 5 application there in Wyoming in just a few minutes, and we will be bringing the live stream of that committee hearing to you right here. 19 states have already passed our resolution calling for an Article 5 convention for proposing amendments to the U.S. Constitution on three topics, fiscal restraints, term limits, and limits on federal scope and jurisdiction. We need 34 states to apply, so we have just 15 more to go to call the first ever Article 5 Convention for Proposing Amendments. And Producer G has helpfully put up there our map showing in green the states that have already passed our Convention of States application. And in blue, you can see additional states that have active legislation filed and pending before the state legislature. So we are excited to see what will happen in Wyoming today. Currently, there are a total of 12 states that have introduced our resolution this year, with more expected to come. But the states that have already had resolutions introduced are Illinois, Iowa, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Montana, New Hampshire, New Mexico, New York, Rhode Island, Virginia, Washington, and of course, Wyoming, where we have our resolution pending in committee, just getting ready for that hearing right now. But all those states have active legislation that's based on our model application for a convention to propose amendments that's limited to those three subject matters that I mentioned earlier. How did we get to this point in Wyoming? Well, the Convention of States Wyoming volunteer team has been busy building support across the state with the grassroots and in the legislature. About 12,000 Wyoming residents have signed the Convention of States petition asking their state legislators to vote yes for COS. Now, I hope you can stay tuned for a few minutes after the vote because we'll have a recap and on-the-ground reaction. Our regional director, Dave Schneider, is also there in the Wyoming legislature today alongside COS founder and president, Mark Meckler, and we we'll, should be able to get Dave on the broadcast with us so we can get his reaction to whatever happens in committee this morning. And you'll, you'll want to hear what he has to say and talk about next steps for Wyoming. Now, in case you missed it, 
Last Tuesday, the Montana Senate Committee on Business, Labor, and Economic Affairs advanced our Convention of States resolution by a vote of six to four. And that was an important win for Convention of States because it was our first committee victory of 2023. We hope and expect that it was the first of many more to come. And guess what? Just this afternoon in Montana, we expect the full Senate to debate our resolution. That's coming up later this afternoon. Session will start there in Montana around 3 p.m. Eastern time. So come back later this afternoon because we will have another special edition of COS Live and we'll be broadcasting that, devote, that debate and vote in the Montana Senate later today. If they are successful on the floor of the Montana Senate, the next step would be for them to go through the House in Montana. Now, today is an extra busy day for Convention of States. You've already seen we've got in just a few minutes this Wyoming Senate committee scheduled to hear and debate our resolution and take live testimony from um, supporters, opponents. And we have, as I mentioned, Mark Meckler there ready to give live testimony today. We have the Montana Senate scheduled to debate our resolution this afternoon, but that's that's not all. We also have the Virginia House Rules Committee scheduled to consider our resolution there, or I should say here, because I'm in Virginia, right here in Virginia later this evening. Rick Santorum is standing by to testify remotely for that Virginia House Rules Committee hearing, and we're hoping to bring that to you via live stream as well. That could be three special editions of COS Live in one day. That might be a record for us. We also broadcast last week a hearing in New Hampshire with Michael Ferris, the other founder of Convention of States, testifying in favor of our Article 5 application. And that committee is expected to take a vote this Friday. It is an action-packed week for Convention of States this week, y'all. 19 states have already passed our Convention of States resolution. Just as a reminder, those states are Georgia, Alaska, Alabama, Florida, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Tennessee, North Dakota, Arizona, Missouri, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, Utah, Nebraska, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and South Carolina. It really does my heart good for that list to take so long to get through because that represents progress of Convention of States. And as a reminder, our resolution or application for a convention to propose amendments only has to go through the legislature. It does not involve any action on the part of the governor of the state. So we just have to get through both chambers of the state legislature, and they're passing these applications for a convention to propose amendments on just three topics. As I mentioned earlier, those three topics are imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and setting term limits for federal officials. 
There's a copy of our model resolution that producer G has put up on the screen for us. That is the substance of the resolution that these states are passing. A recent poll from the Trafalgar Group revealed that a supermajority of voters across the country, across party lines, support a convention of states on these topics, term limits, fiscal restraints, and limits on federal power. So to be clear, this includes a majority of Democrat voters as well as Republicans and independents. This is a nonpartisan effort. It's a movement of the people, by the people, and for the people to impose the reforms we so desperately need on Washington, D.C., because we know that Washington, D.C. will never reform itself. That is the very reason the founders gave us this tool, the Convention for Proposing Amendments in Article 5 of our Constitution, so that the states could get together and use this power, this check on the federal government. That's what we're all about. That's what the Wyoming Senate Committee is going to be considering in just a few moments. And Producer G, I don't know if you have a check on where we are in this committee. It looks like they might still be considering a couple of other bills before they get to us. So I believe you might have a um, COS Now video clip to play for us. And Producer G will go to that unless you... Oh, I'm getting a text from our regional director, Dave Schneider, who is on the ground there. Producer G, he's saying that... This is the last amendment on this bill that they're taking up right now. So they're not quite to the COS resolution yet. Uh, if you want to go ahead and play that clip of COS now, I think we have just a few more minutes before they get to our application pending right now in the Wyoming Senate Committee. A video went viral on Thursday when a President Biden judicial nominee could not answer basic questions about the U.S. Constitution, including the section authorizing a convention of states in Article 5. Uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. So a woman who has served nine years as a judge couldn't tell us about Article 5, but a 20-year-old from Los Angeles can, as evidenced by a new video from Dennis Preger and his fireside chat. Hi, my name is Katie. I am 20 years old from Los Angeles, California, and my question for you is what do you think of an Article 5 Convention of States? Now, how many 20-year-olds in the United States know about the Article 5 Convention of States idea? The best answer is actually already given at PragerU, a video by Jim DeMint, a former U.S. Senator. Katie is an intern with Convention of States Action and is part of our Emerging Leaders Program. It's proof that we only hire the best. Apparently, the same can't be said about the federal judiciary. Last Tuesday, the Convention of States Montana team earned the movement's first legislative victory of the year. Less than a week after the Montana Senate Committee on Business, Labor, and Economic Affairs heard three hours of testimony on Convention of States, we got word that the committee has advanced our resolution to the full Montana Senate by a vote of 6-4. to four. 
If approved by the Senate, the legislation would then be transferred to the House side of the Montana legislature. New Hampshire and Virginia also held committee hearings on our Article 5 application this past week. We expect the New Hampshire committee to take a vote later this week. We will continue to bring legislative action to you live as they occur. Often these events are scheduled at the last minute, so if you want to watch History in the Making, be sure to follow us closely on the Convention State's Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter accounts. A total of 12 states have now introduced our legislation in 2023 in addition to the 19 states that have already joined in previous years. We want to give a shout out to the Tennessee team as they celebrate the 7th anniversary of their state becoming the 5th state to join the movement later this week. Article 5 scholar Robert G. Adelson has released new research which emphasizes that states could not change the one state one vote rule once they get to convention, writing, quote, in at least 42 conventions of states and colonies over the last 350 years, there is no precedent for such a change. The possibility exists only in the fantasies of convention opponents. The one-state, one-vote system is based on a core principle of interstate conventions, sovereign equality. Claims that a convention might discard that core principle disregard political, demographic, historical, and legal realities. You can read the full article at conventionofstates.com. Even more video has been uncovered of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis voicing his support for a convention of states, declaring that it's time to force term limits and fiscal restraints on Congress once and for all. Given that Florida's taken the lead as governor, I'll work with governors and legislators in other states to move the Article 5 process forward. We have to go around Congress to impose term limits and a balanced budget amendment, then we need to do that for the future of our country. And now you're up to date with Convention of States. All right. Well, thank you for that, Producer G. My my favorite part of that was seeing the 20-year-old asking the question to Dennis Prager about an Article 5 Convention of States. And I don't know if Producer G has it handy or maybe can put it up at some point during our, our special broadcast today. But if you haven't seen the PragerU video on Convention of States, it is a great video and really goes through the process. And, you know, at the beginning, we saw someone who um, didn't seem all that familiar with the Constitution and, and specifically didn't know anything about Article 5. And, um it's sad how little people know today about the Constitution, but I've got to tell you, I'm an attorney and I never learned about Article 5 of the Constitution in law school. So if you're hearing about Article 5 for the first time, um, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Just, you know, learn about what it is. Go to conventionofstates.com. We've got a ton of resources for you to learn more about Article 5 and specifically the Convention for Proposing Amendments. Article 5 of our Constitution is the article that addresses the ways to amend our U.S. Constitution. And basically, there are two ways to propose amendments to the Constitution. Congress can do it whenever two-thirds of both chambers agree. That's the way we've always gotten the amendments that we have to the Constitution currently. But there's another way, and it's never been used before. It's a convention of the states for proposing amendments. And it takes two-thirds of the states, that's 34 states, to apply for a convention to propose amendments on a particular topic. 
Once 34 states apply, Congress is legally required to call the convention, which basically just means naming the initial time and location for the states to meet. The states then send their delegations to this meeting to discuss and propose amendments on the topic that was outlined in those 34 applications for a convention. And the application that we are advocating that you're going to hear considered and debated today in three different actions in Wyoming, Montana, and Virginia is limited to proposing amendments on just three topics, imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and setting term limits for federal officials and members of Congress. That's what we're all about. We know from reading James Madison's notes on the Constitutional Convention in 1787 that the very reason the founders included the second method for proposing constitutional amendments was because they knew, they predicted that one day the federal government might become too strong too powerful, too big, too overbearing, and that if that happened, Congress would never propose the kind of amendments it would take to put limits back on the federal government. And so they provided in Article 5 this tool, the convention process, to allow the states to get together and propose reforms on the federal government. It's another one of those checks that are planted within our Constitution to ensure that power is balanced and limited and used properly and that no one branch or part of government can get out of control without being checked and put back in its proper place. So that's what we're all about. Okay, we are going to take you right back to the committee where our resolution is up for consideration. This is a joint resolution requesting Congress to call a convention for proposing amendments to the United States Constitution as specified. There's some whereases here. Uh, the framers of the Constitution of the United States empowered state legislators to be guardians of liberty against future abuses of the power of the federal government. The federal government has created crushing national debt through improper imp and imprudent spending. Right now, we're over three, uh, $32.5 trillion. You can't even imagine that. That's $32.5 million, million in debt. We have to do something. And I think, uh, I think the states are the only ones that are going to take that up. Uh, I just, just for an example, if you spent $40 a second for 24 hours a day, it would take you 289 days to spend a billion dollars. To spend a trillion dollars in the same manner, it would take you 792 years. Uh, you can't even imagine that number. Uh, the federal government has invaded the legis legitimate roles of the states through the manipulative process of federal mandates, many of which are unfunded, unfunded, unfunded mandates. And it is the solemn duty of the states to protect the liberty of the people, particularly 
for the future generations by proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States through a Convention of States under Article 5 of the United States Constitution. <coughs> Therefore, uh, we're in Section 1 now, so this is the main, main part. Therefore, be it resolved by the members of this legislature that here we hereby apply to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of several states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that will do these three topics, impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for federal officials and members of Congress. The third one would be, uh, maybe for an example, we might uh, limit the uh, time our, uh, our justices, our Supreme Court could uh, serve. You know, were they uh, there for lifetime? But back in uh, the founding days, uh, lifetime wasn't that long. So, uh, you know, maybe there ought to be a limit on that. Or maybe a limit on federal officials. Uh, Federal employees may be of the federal government. Um, in section two, the legislature of the state of Wyoming adopts the application made under section one of this joint resolution expressly subject to the following reservations, understandings, and declarations. And this is important in section uh, little i, an application to the Congress of the United States to call a convention of several states for the purpose of proposing amendments to the Constitution, confers no power to Congress other than the power to call the convention, the power of Congress to exercise the ministerial duty consists solely of the authority to name a reasonable time and place for the initial meeting of the convention. Next, uh, next Congress shall uh, call an amendment convention of the states only upon the receipt of applications from, uh, from other states that propose substantially the same purpose of what we're doing. Uh, it would take uh, two-thirds of the legislatures of several, several states to, uh, to get them to make the call. That would be 34 states. Currently, we're at 19 for this particular uh, proposal. Uh, Congress does not have the power or authority to turn in any rules for governing of the amendment convention. Congress does not have the power to set the number of delegates to be sent by, others, by the states, nor does it have the power to select the delegates. Uh, the power to name delegates remains exclusively with the authority of the legislature of those states. By definition, the Convention of the States to propose amendments to the United States Constitution means that the states shall only have uh, the vote on, oh, sorry, that states shall vote on the basis of one state, one vote. And that's how it always has been. The Convention of several states of, to propose amendments to the Constitution convened shall be limited to the consideration of these topics specifically and no others. Also, the application is made with the express understanding 
that an amendment that is in any way seeks to amend, modify, or repeal any provision of the Bill of Rights shall not be authorized for the consideration in any manner. Uh, pursuant to Article 5 of the United States Constitution, Congress can do these two options on uh, ratifying. They can uh, select it, that the legislatures of the federal states uh, shall ratify, and that'll take three-fourths of the states, or uh, they can say that the uh, special state ratification conventions can happen. And that has happened, uh, I think, only once, and I thought it was on Article, or on Amendment 21, I think, uh, that we used that. And we have it in our statutes how that would happen. And uh, finally, uh, the legislature the state of Wyoming may provide further instructions to its delegates and may recall its delegates at any time for breach of duty or a violation of the instructions provided in this, in this resolution. We, uh, in 2017, we passed a, uh, a statute that he, uh, explains uh, how our delegates are selected. And uh, currently, uh, in, or well, in that statute, we, we specify that it'll be uh, the House, each, each, each uh, side of the, the House will select three, and then the Senate would select three, and that would be the delegates that go. And I can go into that further if you want in a bit on that, uh, on the, that statute. So that's pretty much, uh, much the resolution. And... Uh, at this time, uh, Mr. Chairman, I was going to see if I could uh, ask uh, the president and the CEO of uh, Convention of States Action to maybe come up and help uh, if you have some questions. You bet. Let's just see if anybody's got any questions just for you, though. Uh, Senator Barlow. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Could I just get the statutory reference to the 2017 law that we enacted? I apologize. I it is. Uh, it was uh, Bill Number 50 in 2017 and i have it right here if you would like me to go through some of the particulars mr chairman just, just, the, just the reference just the ws 22 whatever that is uh for sure, for sure. what are we in 922 101 thank you yes sir thank you anybody else um senator larson just organize it the way you want so the have your people come up okay This is uh, Mark Meckler with COS Action. Welcome, Mr. Meckler. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee. It's an honor to be here today. As I was standing out in the hall outside waiting to come into this committee room, I was reflecting on the fact that I get the chance to travel around the country and go into a lot of state legislatures. And as I do, I often reflect on the founders and the framers and, and what they would have thought were they able to walk into this august house. And what I will tell you, here in this legislature is I believe this is a reflection of what the framers and the founders intended. Some states, not so much. They're huge legislatures, year-round legislatures, not what I would refer to as a citizen legislature. But I could well imagine Ben Franklin or Sam Adams walking into this building, walking up and down these halls and feeling at home and meeting men and women like you see in your legislature and feeling at home because they understand that you are citizens that give up your 
time and your money to come here and to do true public service. So thank you for being here and reflecting what the framers and founders actually intended in our system of governance. Convention of States is intended to restore that system of governance intended by the framers of the United States Constitution. And we know specifically what they intended and what they were worried about by referring to Madison's notes from the convention in 1787. We all know the story of that convention. It was a hot, humid summer. Uh, they locked themselves in that building and they hammered out what I would say is inarguably the greatest system of governance ever instituted among men for the preservation of liberty. But they also understood human nature better than I think most do these days. And they understood that humans were sinful, fallen creatures and likely to stray from the path of righteousness. Not only likely, but absolutely going to stray. And so they told us that they were going to give us a provision in that constitution that would allow us to do something about that. On September 15th, 1787, Colonel George Mason stands and he addresses the convention. This is two days before the end of convention. They're almost done with that beautiful document. And he says, we have a problem. We've given the power to Congress to propose amendments, but we've not given that power to the states. And he asks a question, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says basically, are we so naive that we believe that a government that becomes a tyranny will ever propose amendments to restrain its own tyranny? Now, you know, when I say that, people smile and laugh, and I imagine they did so at the convention. We don't know, obviously, we don't have videotape, but we do have Madison's notes. And Madison's notes very clearly at that point reflect what happened. It's two Latin abbreviations. It's the words nincom, which stand for no comment. What happened was everybody essentially slapped their foreheads and said, yes, we absolutely have to give this power to the states. How did we forget that? And we know that it was unanimous because they unanimously adopted this second clause of Article 5 that gives you the power that we're here to discuss. And they gave that power to you, the state legislators. And I have been asked many times, why would they give that power to the state legislators? You know, when you guys come in and you get sworn into office, generally speaking, they don't tell you about your role in the federal government. You learn the building and where the legislative drafters are and maybe where your office is, but they don't tell you that you are actually the most powerful people in our system of federal governance. And what makes you the most powerful is this unique power that you have to call a convention, to propose amendments, and then ultimately to ratify those amendments, thereby changing the very structure of our system of governance that was given to you. And the reason that the framers gave that power to you is because they were you. Most of them served in colonial governments, in town councils. These were citizen public servants. They understood what it meant to be close to your constituents, and they wanted to give people the ultimate power who would be close to their constituents like you are here in your state. You know the people in your district, and so did the framers. They understood this. So they gave you that power. And so here we are today, we have an organization that I represent, which has over 5 million grassroots activists all over the country in every single state legislative district, including here in Wyoming. And importantly, your constituents want you to do this. They want you to step up and reign in the federal government. Now, look, I don't think there's any argument among any of us that the federal government is completely out of control. The federal government is spending money at a pace that's unsustainable, regulating in a way that the American people are chafing under those regulations and in a way that the framers and founders would have found absolutely unbelievable. And so we now find ourselves in a position where we actually can do something about it. Today, 19 out of the 34 requisite states have called for convention, states all across the country. I expect that we'll see somewhere between four and seven more states join the call this session. 
The question is, will Wyoming? And the answer is, I believe, yes, and you should. Wyoming is, by the numbers, the most conservative state in the United States of America. Look at the way your legislature lays out. And this is the actual most conservative thing that a legislature can do. It is about the restoration of the system of federalism given to us by the framers of the United States Constitution. So I can tell you a lot of people around the country when I travel around, I was talking with somebody yesterday on, on my drive in from Denver, and they said, wait, you're, you're going to Wyoming? I figured Wyoming would be the first state to pass. Why hasn't Wyoming passed yet? And obviously legislatures have their own way they work and the composition of houses changes from time to time. There's a lot of reasons, but I would say at this point in history, it is hopefully time for Wyoming to step up and pass this resolution. I get the common objection, the actually only objection I get to doing this is that we're going to have a runaway convention and we're going to quote unquote, I hear this all time, we're gonna lose our beloved constitution. So I'd like to address that and then I'd be happy to take questions. The framers, in addition to understanding human nature, had a deep understanding of process and structure. And if you look at our constitution, it was built to ensconce these processes and structure. Often we hear them referred to as checks and balances into our system. And one of those checks and balances was Article 5. And they designed Article 5 as well as they designed anything else in the constitution. When you look at the way Article 5 works, the simplest argument against the runaway convention is math. It takes three quarters of states to ratify anything that comes out of convention. Convention is only a meeting for making suggestions. The word proposal is used. They can propose amendments. And then that amendment, any amendment that's proposed by convention has to go out to states for ratification by 38 states. And I would make this challenge to anybody watching or listening who is concerned about the idea of a runaway convention. If you're worried about something as a conservative that you might not like that could come out of convention, do the exercise for yourself and list the 38 states on a sheet of paper that would ratify it. I'm gonna give you a specific example because you can't do that. The example, the one I hear most often is that we're gonna lose our second amendment. And uh, my son is a Marine, my mom was a lifelong law enforcement officer. We're very strong second amendment supporters in my family and in our organization. There are currently 25 states that have constitutional carry. You don't need a permit to carry your firearm. There are 24 states, uh, not here, but 24 states that allow you to carry your firearm into a legislature. There are 14 states that allow you to take a loaded long gun, uh, chamber around, sling it across your back, and sit in the gallery and watch the proceedings. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that's how many states allow that to happen. Now, remember, it takes only 13 states to prevent any amendment from becoming part of the Constitution. So the idea that you could get 38 states to ratify the repeal of the Second Amendment, or frankly, anything else that any conservative wouldn't like, is a fantasy and it's ridiculous. And it's important we where we remember the idea where, of a runaway convention, where it comes from. In the United States of America, the idea of a runaway convention didn't exist until the 1970s. It came after Roe versus Wade. States started passing applications to overturn Roe versus Wade, what states should do when they're unhappy with what the Supreme Court does. And ultimately, a letter was written by Chief Justice Warren Burger, the man who was the Chief Justice who signed Roe versus Wade, saying the idea of a convention was a terrible idea and that it would lead to the destruction, it would lead to a runaway convention and the destruction of our beloved Constitution. So the guy that gave us Roe versus Wade, a very radical liberal jurist, is the guy that puts the idea out there of a runaway convention. And unfortunately today, that idea has been carried by a few on the right, I would argue maybe five to 10% of the people on the right, and almost 100% of the people on the left. 
Common Cause, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, La Raza, MoveOn.org, Planned Parenthood, and I would argue, and I apologize for being a little bit inflammatory, but every communist, baby-killing, America-hating organization in the United States of America stands united, locking arms. They've signed a press release against Convention of States. So I would close with the idea that people are worried, I have heard this, about the left taking over. The left isn't worried about that at all. What they're worried about is the idea of us getting together in a convention of states and taking the federal government and shoving it back in the constitutional box. So I would urge you to pass this resolution out of committee and start the process here in Wyoming of joining the convention of states movement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Meckler. Um, any questions for the gentleman? Any questions? I, I have one. Um, I, I often get emails that say, uh, the Constitution isn't broken in, you know, and uh, in, in follow the Constitution, just just follow what's there. And uh, you've probably heard this argument, too. And so uh, would you care to comment on that? I may add something, too, but go ahead. Yeah, and I actually think that's a good question. And it was actually when this idea was first brought to me, that was the first question I asked as a conservative. We generally have the opinion that the federal government doesn't follow the Constitution. Uh, and that question, I asked that question to Mike Ferris, who was my co-founder of this organization, uh, noted constitutional attorney, one of the leading attorneys in the recent Dobbs case, uh, just retired from being the leader of Alliance Defending Freedom. And this is what he said to me. He asked me a question which kind of shocked me. He said, which constitution are you referring to? And well, I'm only aware of one, is what I said. And he said, well, we really have two in the United States of America. We have the one that you probably carry around in your pocket, the pocket constitution. It's actually the original constitution. We all know what it says. We know what it means. It's pretty clear on its face what it means. He said, but if you want to know the constitution under which the United States government lives, you have to order that from the government publishing office. And you can order, it's about $130. It's over 3,000 pages at this point. And it's literally just called the Constitution of the United States of America. It contains every case ever issued by the United States Supreme Court telling us what your pocket constitution means. And he said, so mostly they do follow the constitution. It's just that one. And that's the one that has granted these wildly expanded federal powers that the framers never intended. And that's the one we're working to address with the Convention of States. I like that answer. Um, any further questions for the gentleman? Thank you. Who else would you like to get to testify? It's, it's all I have, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Yes. So we open it to the public? Yes, sir. So we're going to get the fellow in the tie and then we'll come to you, Matt. <clears throat> Welcome, sir. We're glad you're here. What's your, what's your name? and? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my name is David Iverson. I'm from Buffalo. Uh, yes, I have a degree in American history. I studied history at Regis University and earned a degree from one of Wyoming's great community colleges. I can assure you, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, that I am not a communist baby-killing Marxist, but I think that the Convention of States is a profoundly dangerous idea. And there's a number of reasons for this. You've heard a number of arguments as to why you should do this and why you should vote for this bill. And you've, you've heard testimony that, well, there's process. We know how to do this. We know how it works. Well, quite frankly, members of the committee, there is not one single word beyond the one sentence in Article 5 that tells you how a convention of states will work. 
It's not there. Now, Mr. One of the previous uh, people that testified said, well, we have, we have notes from the convention, perhaps, but they don't tell you any rules as to how this convention is going to operate. Now, I would ask you to think about what the very first thing you did at the opening of the 67th legislature was the first thing you debated. It was the rules, correct? So when the legislature convened, you all decided what rules by which you were going to operate. And in fact, the House changed a rule in contravention to what Mason's um, procedure, uh, legislative procedure manual says. And so if you all decided that one of your rules was that everyone had to wear pink shoes on the floor of the House, you could make that rule. The same holds true for a convention of states. Once it convenes, the rules will be decided there. So one of the previous people that just testified said that Warren Berger issued a letter to one of his constituents. And this morning, I sent you a copy of that letter. And in it, he said that once this thing gets going, there's no stopping it. So once the convention is convened, they will decide the rules by which they will operate. And that's the way it will go. Now, why do we know that this will happen? Well, because the first, the first and only constitutional convention did that very same thing. They had no authority to draft the United States Constitution. In fact, the only authority they were given was to revise the Articles of Confederation. But once the convention convened, they decided that it was of no, that it was of no use and they had to start over. They also changed the ratification um, level. They decided that three-fourths of the states would have to ratify the Constitution and not, a, and not uh, unanimous. So when their, when their convention convened, they made the rules. So everything that you're hearing, that you're going to hear today, about how there's procedure and how it will work, all of that is speculation at best. The next thing I would like to bring up is that there are a lot of thoughts about what we ought to do with the federal government, and certainly a lot of very important problems were, were already mentioned in today's hearing. We do have a runaway, runaway debt. We do have a federal government that is out of control. All of those things are absolutely true. Uh, but members of the committee, if you, if you pass this convention of states, you are putting the people who created the problem in charge of the solution. We do not have a problem with the Constitution. We have a problem with politicians. And if you pass this, you will put the power to change or to try to fix that problem in the hands of the very people that created it. Now, one thing I want you to think about, the sponsor of this bill listed off all of the problems that we have with, uh, um, in our country today. And if you read um, this resolution, it says they wanna fix three problems. Uh, they want fiscal restraints. My first question would be, what the heck is a fiscal restraint? I mean, that could mean anything. I mean, it, it could be any number of decisions that you make. They want to limit the power of the federal government. What does that mean? How does that work out? What is the language behind that? What are you going to direct your delegates to do? I, I mean, how it's not specific at all. And then they want term limits. That's the last one. That one's pretty specific. But the sponsor of this bill said that they wanted to limit the amount of time that a Supreme Court justice could serve. Wait a minute, that's not listed in the resolution, now is it? What he's telling you is that, that amendments would be proposed at this constitutional convention that are not listed in this resolution. And that is further evidence that you'll have no control over this convention at all. 
The final thing I would like to mention, and this is something that Senator Landon has lamented a couple, time, couple times in this committee hearing, that politics being what they are, things are very uncertain. And if you look at the resolution that was passed in 2017 by Wyoming, it says that the delegates to, the con to this convention will be members of the legislature. Who do you suppose will be chosen? If, if more, liberal, uh, more liberal contingent of our legislature is in charge, well, then it will be more liberal delegates that are chosen. And if it so happens that, that more conservative uh, people are in charge of the legislature, well, then it will be more conservative people that are sent. But what I'm, what I'm getting to here is none of this is certain. Now, you're going to hear a lot, of, a lot of testimony here in a little bit as to how this is going to work exactly one way, and we know how it is going to work but I would ask you to question them. Show me where, show me where the rules are written down. Show me how this is going to operate because I guarantee you it's not in our founding documents. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, and I'll be happy to entertain any questions you may have. Thank you, sir. Questions for Mr. Iverson? Senator Scott. Mr. Chairman, looking at the limitations at the bottom of page two, uh, they're talking about imposing, uh, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Um, I suppose if somebody proposed uh, eliminating some of the regulations in the banking industry, say get rid of the Federal Reserve, that would limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, would it not? Mr. Iverson. Mr. Chairman, Senator Case, I would agree with you. It, w it would limit the power of of the federal government. But again, yeah. in this resolution, it doesn't say that. It's just a very vague comment. Yeah. I think Chairman. that's your point, right? Yeah, Scott? exactly. The, the, I think they could, uh, some of the economic things are subject to enthusiasms. And we could very well see some of those, Mr. Chairman. I, I, that's one of the things that gives me great pause about this resolution. Thank you, thank you, Senator. Anybody else? Thank you, Mr. Iverson. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I did forget to bring up one thing, if you Go don't ahead. mind. Um, the, the folks that, the main group that pushes Convention of States, and this may come as a surprise to you, I sent this document to you as well, they've developed their own constitution. In fact, they call it a conservative constitution. Now they're going to, they're, you're going to hear lots of explanations about that, but if if you will permit me, I'd like to read you one brief section out of it. Okay, go ahead. In Wyoming, one of the most important things is our firearms. The document I sent you on page 13, it's the second paragraph down. Let me read it to you. Quote, the modified Second Amendment clarifies what we understand to be the best original understanding it provides. Neither the states nor the United States shall make or enforce any law infringing the right to keep and bear arms of the sort ordinarily used for self-defense or recreational purposes, provided that the states and the United States in places subject to its general regulatory authority may enact and enforce reasonable regulations on the bearing of arms and the keeping of arms by persons determined with due process to be dangerous to themselves or others. My point here, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, is they very much are thinking about the Second Amendment, and it's written in that document that I sent you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, thank you, sir, but we, we have no idea what that document is that you're sending or if it's connected to these people. So we'll let them address that. Certainly. I, I, I appreciate 
uh, your testimony, and thank you very much. Ma'am, we'll go to you next. Is that okay? Mr. Chairman. Oh, I'm sorry, Senator Landon. No, uh, Mr. Chairman, just a point of order. I, I would really appreciate it if we have uh, some respect for everyone who steps up to the microphone. We, we really don't need head shaking behind everybody, and uh, it, it's a little distracting. So thank you. Um, thank you, Senator. Yes, ma'am. Green light. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee. I really appreciate this opportunity. My name is Julie Baker. I'm the Wyoming State Director for Convention of States, and I live near Hewlett. And I'd like to speak a little bit to the, uh, the grassroots support for this Article 5 Convention for proposing amendments. And um, I, I know you've all received emails and or phone calls and or requests for meetings um, asking for your support for this Article 5 convention. <clears throat> what you might not know is that thousands of Wyoming constituents support this effort. And they've demonstrated this by signing the Convention of States petition. And that's in excess of 12,000 Wyoming constituents. Wyoming has one of, if not the highest number of petitions signed per capita in the country, and yet 19 other states have responded to their constituents ahead of us. These constituents took the time to let you know they're frustrated with Washington, D.C., squandering our resources, squandering our money, telling us what we can and can't buy. Um, they're, they're regulating us into servitude, and they're relying on you to use the power of Article 5 to restrain that, to rectify this problem. Convention of States volunteers all across the state have reached out to people at fairs and gun shows and town halls and street markets. Um, and, and we're showing them that there's hope in the Constitution in Article 5 that in the overwhelming reaction when you talk to people is relief and joy that there's actually a solution. And it's in Article 5 of the Constitution. And then that relief and joy is quickly followed by a stunned disbelief that Wyoming wasn't the first one to pass it. Um, and we didn't lead the charge and, and we're falling behind. Alexander Hamilton, who said a lot of things, and uh, he had a lot to say about federalism. And at the New York State Ratifying Convention, he said this, and I quote, this balance between the national and state governments ought to be dwelt on with peculiar attention as it is of the utmost importance. It forms a double security to the people. If one encroaches on their rights, they'll find a powerful protection in the other. Indeed, they will both be prevented from overpassing their constitutional limits by a certain rivalship, which will ever subsist between them. And sadly, in the past decades, we haven't seen much of this rivalship that he spoke of. And it, it sounds amazing because it is that the framers forethought gave us this most powerful, peaceful, legal, and constitutional method to end this madness that we find ourselves in. All we're asking for is a meeting. It's simply a meeting where people suggest stuff. They get together, they talk, they debate, and they propose. That's all the convention is. It's a proposing body. So to encourage the Wyoming legislature to engage in the rivalship that Hamilton spoke of, You'll continue to receive emails and get phone calls and requests for meetings. And uh, this is Wyoming's opportunity to become state number 20. When people hear of this, support only grows. 
It's time to finally join Florida and Texas and Oklahoma and Utah and Nebraska and 14 other states to bring enduring structural reforms to the federal government that reflect the original intent of the founders. Please take into consideration all these constituents, the supporters in this room, the supporters that are no doubt going to be on Zoom, the uh, hundreds in your districts, and the thousands across Wyoming and vote yes on SJ11. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Any, Baker. Any questions? questions? I'll do my best. Any questions? Thank you so much. Thank you. Who's next? Anybody in this room who else would like to testify? Is there anybody on Zoom? Oh, Mar Marguerite, Ms. Harriman? We've got to be quick. We are at the hard stop at 10. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> and I, I thought I'd be the last in line I, at a long line, so I wasn't ready. I'm sorry. So Marguerite Herman for the League of Women Voters, and I'll just relay to you the position our National League has taken. Um, it, has, it was um, amended about five years ago um, on the Convention of States ideas. Um, and as the previous speaker said, we are neither communists nor we don't advocate the killing of anybody, actually. Um, so the League of Women Voters, and this is a position adopted by our national convention in, um, for 2018. Um, the League of Women Voters is concerned that these are many unresolved questions about the powers and processes of Article 5. The League believes such a convention should be called only if the following conditions are in place. And I'll read these real fast. The convention must be transparent, not conducted in secret. The public has a right to know. Representation at the Constitutional Convention must be based on population rather than one state, one vote. I know that'll rub it the wrong way in, in Wyoming. And delegates should be elected rather than appointed. Delegates represent citizens, should be elected by them. Voting at the convention must be by delegate, not by state. Um, delegates from one state can have varying views and should be able to express them by individual votes. And the convention must be limited to a specific topic. It is important to guard against runaway conventions, as has been stated. Only one. Only state resolutions on a single topic count when determining if a convention should be called. Counting state requests by topic ensures that there is sufficient interest in a particular subject. The validity of state calls for Article 5 Constitutional Convention must be determined by the most recent action of the state. If a state has enacted a, a rescission of its call, that rescission must be respected by Congress. And, and all I have to say is that um, currently there are no rules in place, as has been stated. It's just that you can do this. And um, these things would be the sideboards to make sure it didn't turn into something untoward and, and uh, destroy the Constitution that we have today. So my, uh, absent these conditions, which do not exist, um, we, we um, agree with the previous speaker that um, this is um, not, not a wise move. And also, let me just mention that in the in a, uh, amending our own Wyoming Constitution, you do not trust the people to put their own proposals on the ballot. They cannot do that. Um, and, and you've made it virtually impossible for even initiatives. So I think that the, uh, the sense of, of this body is that um, a deliberative, a representatively elected body is the one in the best place to write constitutions and then put those before the voters. Thank you. Questions for Ms. Herman? Any questions? Thank you. Do we have people online? I'm looking, uh, let's get a couple of people online up and I'm looking at this room. Yes, sir, I didn't see you behind a pillar, come on up. But let's get some people ready online so that we're not, get them in the room and stuff. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. How are you today? Go ahead. Green light. I have a green light. There you go. All right. 
Mr. Chairman, Senators, thank you for giving me the time here to speak, the opportunity to speak. I am a veteran and I love the state of Wyoming, but I also love this country. But this is not the country I grew up in. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, this country has turned to tyranny. I'm My, just not sure we got your name, sir. Robert Rice. Thank you, sir. Sorry, I may, not, I may not have given it. Yeah, I may not have. And I just down. went right through my mind. It's okay. Go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to. We have, we have a government now that's trying to control everything we do, everything we think. It is spending money. I was going to use a metaphor, but I do not. Let's think tone it down that. here. <laughs> yeah, I do not believe that it's appropriate for this. Yeah. This uh, meeting, but we're spending money that we don't have. And we are going to destroy the future, just not of our children or grandchildren. It's going to go to our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, if it's not brought under control. There's not a problem with the Constitution. And if the government, federal government, is not obeying the Constitution we have right now, may, amending it means nothing. They won't buy it either. If they're not standing within the bounds of the Constitution, they will not stand in the bounds of an amendment. The only way we can reign in the country is if we do what this country was founded, we the people. You guys are our representatives. You are our voices. The state has the power to tell the federal government, I will not comply. I will not enforce unconstitutional laws. The problem is many states have been bought off with money. We want that federal money. You ask me to tighten my belts and not feed my family. I'm not talking about you all, but I'm talking about the government. To make a decision between paying for the heat or putting dinner on the table. It's time we tighten our belts in this state. Tell the federal government to back off back down we don't need a amendment we need to exercise the power that was given to the state and the people by articles 9 and 10 of the bill of rights we have the ability it is we the people it's not a new amendment it's not reigning in the country with words written down on a paper it's reigning in a country by the actions of its citizens. If we stand around, we allow, we have stood around, allowed the country to do whatever it wanted to do. And we kept silent. And now all of a sudden, we're all concerned about the runaway. We're all concerned about the problems in this country. Where, where are the states been all this time? Where have I been? I, I'm asking that we as a state vote against joining this convention of states. It won't work. I fully believe it. I agree with those that are standing against it. It's not a conservative or liberal issue. It's can we be the country we were at one time? 
have much more to say, but I'm not willing to go that long. I would like someone else's chance to speak. Thank you, Mr. Rice. Questions for Mr. Rice? Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, okay. Let's go online and hear from uh, Patrick, Mr. Fitzgerald. Mr. Fitzgerald? Yes, sir. Uh, go Patrick ahead. This is Patrick Fitzgerald from Cheyenne. Gentlemen, I come Can you speak up, you sir? We're having a little harp trouble hearing you. Okay, I will speak up. Uh, gentlemen, I come before you today to urge your support for SJ11 to allow the state of Wyoming to join others in calling for a convention of states which would propose amendments to the U.S. Constitution. This is a method of proposing amendments which is given equal status and force by the Constitution with the sole other method used for all amendments to date. Existing amendments have all been drafted and proposed by the Federal Congress. Such a body of representatives from the states will have no power to enact any changes to the Constitution. Furthermore, all amendments will have no effect until each one individually is ratified by three-fourths of the legislatures of the several states. It is fully irrational to fear that 38 states together would allow any amendment to abolish any of our dearly held rights, to usurp the supreme law of the land, or to remove any power whatsoever from we the people. Inasmuch as the rights and responsibilities of the several, uh, of the several states have been usurped over the past 150 years by the Federal Congress and by their bureaucracies, which assume legislative and police powers over us, it is not reasonable to assume that power can be wrested from the bureaucracies and from Congress through any measure proposed by that Congress. The Constitution is a document forming a federal government of very few enumerated powers. The Bill of Rights is an essential part of that document and each one of its 10 amendments states what the federal government can not do. I urge you representatives of Wyoming to join this effort to assert your right to curb the powers and abuses of the federal government and under the 10th amendment to return rightful and just power to Wyoming, the several states and to the people. To restore and strengthen our God-given liberty it is essential that this committee recommend SJ11 to the consideration of the full body of the legislature of the great and independent state of Wyoming. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Fitzgerald. Any questions by the committee? Not seeing any, thank you, sir. Let's check back in the room here. Who else would like to testify? Yes, sir, back in the corner. And Kelly, you can get someone else online and we'll come, we'll come to that gentleman next. Hi, how are you? Okay. Just hand it to me and I'll, you can go take your seat. And, or just hand the stack. Okay. One more. We're kind of on a time crunch, so thank you, sir. Welcome, Mr. Stewart. Thank you. Good morning, gentlemen, Mr. Chairman. My name is Dr. Stewart. I am a retired third year veteran law enforcement officer on the state and federal level. 
Um, I'd like to discuss how the federal government imposes itself upon states and how it affects that state, and in my particular case, the state of Connecticut, the ruination of the state. In 1980, there was no income tax in Connecticut. It was a relatively centrist, leftist, socially, very fiscally conservative, and to a degree libertarian. By 1985, we had an income tax. We also had the crack epidemic. And that's how the government, the federal government, imposed itself upon the state, in, in, at least from the law enforcement perspective. There were many homicides, many officer-involved shootings, things where police departments didn't have the money, even the state police, uh, to, to actually address these issues. So in comes the federal government. First, it came in the form of grants, money, handed over millions and millions of dollars to hire additional policemen or buy money to buy buildings or all other things. After that, the task forces came in. Now, task forces where a federal agency would, uh, you know, um, I should say, uh, empower fed, uh, local police and state police in a task force. But the federal government would have complete control of that task force. They would set the rules and they would infringe upon any state law that they felt suitable. That anything that would then go to the United States Attorney rather than be on, on a local level in state courts. And that's because state courts were overrun, prisons were full, and at the same time, the general population was clamoring to fix this problem. So money came in first, then the infringement upon people in the state through federal bureaucracy, and I think these are two of the things that Convention of States addresses. Government interference and money. And, you know, from my perspective in law enforcement was only a small part of it. Many other areas in Wyoming here, I'm, we have a big, you know, our, our one of our great sources of income is energy. Well, we know that's infringed upon. Would be would the um, would abortion be uh, or other social issues be infringed upon? Once the federal government gets its 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 tentacles into a state via money, you can't let it go. Those police departments and the state police, they're not going to give up the, that money. Once that money is there, and you let's say you hire troopers. You hire cops. You're never going to fire those people. So but now those officials are so beholding to the federal government. Also, you, you, would have, you have these dissent decrees where if the, a police department does something that the federal government likes, they come in and take over that police department. They rewrite all their rules of engagement, their policies and procedures, their techniques. I mean, you're going to see that happen now in Memphis, maybe rightfully so, but now that's a way that the federal government wants to federalize local police departments. So I'm going to ask you to kind of get to the point, sir. Okay. Are you well, supporting the convention? I'm supporting the convention of state because I think these things and this money that comes into states and all of these rules and regulations that the federal government makes, I believe, 
there is no other alternative. The federal government has its tentacles in. What is the other alternative to fix these problems other than the Convention of States? If there is, I'd be certainly glad to entertain that, but I cannot see that, that happening. All right. Thank you, sir. Any questions for Mr. Stewart? Thank you, Mr. Stewart. Thank you very much. Let's go online to the gentleman in the top corner, uh, the dark hair with the tie. Who is that? Can you see Kelly? Is it Mr. Stahl? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go I'm ahead. Mr. Stahl. All right. Uh, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, uh, my name is Eldon Stahl, and I live in Evanston, Wyoming, representing myself. Uh, I'm opposed to SJ11 for many reasons, but there are two which I would like to highlight today as supported by statements of top leaders of the Convention of States project. Uh, links to what, watch the videos yourself um, of them saying this uh, at the appropriate timestamp or in my written testimony, which you should have. Uh, first, in August of 2013, when COS project was being launched, Michael Ferris, Convention of States co-founder said, quote, the greatest thing we can achieve out of a convention is if they mess it up again, we call another convention, end quote. A former U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania and national spokesman for Convention of States last December said in South Dakota, quote, I really believe we need to institute the Article 5 convention as a normal thing that the legislatures do, that every five or 10 years, they have a convention, end quote. So why would the greatest achievement of a convention be to have a perpetual cycle of conventions? Not a balanced budget amendment, term limits, or getting rid of income tax. It's no specific change, just change. Those three subjects that you have in this resolution before you today, uh, to which the convention would be supposedly limited, are just bait to get legislators who agree to opening up a process of perpetual change to the supreme law of the land. And as uh, the U.S. Senator implied, these same folks will be back immediately lobbying for endless conventions. Did they mention that when they lobbied you? Second, the changes Ferris had in mind are much more substantial than most legislators would assume would be within the scope of this resolution. For example, did anyone here think of rewriting or abolishing the whole third article of the U.S. Constitution dealing with the federal judiciary? Why not? Because back in August of 2013 at the ALEC meeting, uh, Mr. Ferris, COS co-founder, said, quote, one thing I would do is I would make it like the European Court of Justice. We should have 50 Supreme Court justices, and they should be appointed by the state legislatures, end quote. Then he went on to say, quote, if they, the Supreme Court, abuse it, we just keep, a call, keep calling, quote, so if the Supreme Court messes up, okay, let's abolish it. If they're going to ignore the Constitution, we abolish the Supreme Court and figure out some other way to settle the disputes, end quote. So, uh, Mr. Stahl, I'm gonna, I need you to wrap it up. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that anybody has testified to that today about things that happened in 19, uh, 2013, but please wrap it up if you could, sir. Sure. Uh, in short, Ferris and other COS people have major sweeping and perpetual changes in mind, and their words, not mine, expose them. 
I respectfully urge you to table SJ11 and stand by for any questions, such as 3-4 safety net, constitutional, um, conservative constitution, left-wing supporters of the convention. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Stahl. Questions for Mr. Stahl? Thank you, sir. Let's go to the next to the gentleman. Kelly, I can't see his name. Shafley, Mr. Shafley. Yeah, Mr. Chairman, this is Andy Schlafly. I think many of you may Sh know. Schlafly, thank you, sir. Yeah, Come on in. Fine. No problem at all. So I'm an attorney. I practiced before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit, which is where appeals from Wyoming go. I think many of you may have been familiar with my mother, Phyllis Schlafly, who worked for 70 years, really, to try to help our country and advance conservative principles. And frankly, oh, she was right oh, about a lot of issues. Of course we remember your mother, and that's kind of an exciting connection. Go ahead. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Mr. Chairman. Well, she felt very strongly against holding a new Article 5 convention. We've never had an Article 5 convention. She called it a constitutional convention. She called it a con-con, and she testified again and again against this idea that's on the table today. So she would have been against this Joint Resolution 11, very much so. In fact, she told me that this was among the most important work she ever did her entire life was opposing a constitutional convention because you don't know what's going to happen as many of the witnesses have testified already it, it there's no limit to it and several witnesses who testified in support of this resolution said well don't worry because three quarters of the states would still have to ratify it before it changed the constitution well <laughs> no in fact Article 5 says that the convention can dictate how it will be ratified as the original convention did. It set the rules for ratification. So we get this group of people be dominated by California, New York. We had a witness who said it has to be by population. So you get the big population states. They're gonna decide how this new constitution is ratified. There aren't gonna be these restraints that the supporters of the resolution have claimed there would be. I was sitting there in attendance when Justice Scalia, who many of us admire in the last year of his life, was fielding questions from the audience and someone asked him, Justice, what do you think of holding a constitutional convention? And he said, quote, horrible idea, close quote. That's what he said of this constitutional convention because it can change everything. It can take out the Second Amendment. It can change uh, all the the safeguards we have in our constitution, which is a pretty good document. Many of us can- Mr. Schlafly, right? can you wrap it up? Yes. Can, can yeah, I get you to wrap you. it up? Thank you, sir. So finally, just to address the debt issue, the federal debt. Well, Speaker McCarthy is meeting with President Biden tomorrow about the debt ceiling, and he can hold the line on the debt ceiling. So we have the means to hold the line on federal debt and take care of that problem. We don't need to open up all these other issues with the Constitutional Convention to address federal debt. Thank, Thank you, you very sir. much, Chairman. We do appreciate it. Any questions? Let's go to the ma'am, uh, the lady on, on screen, and then uh, we're gonna call this quits and we'll take it up again Thursday morning. I do know that there were some allegations made, Mr. Meckler, so we would entertain you being here on Thursday or you could appear by Zoom to address uh, some of the, I think they were allegations and you should have some rebuttal. So ma'am, would you go ahead? And your name is Ms. Martin? 
Uh, Joanna Martin, retired attorney. Yes, uh, ma'am. I, uh, I speak for myself against SJ11. My written testimony is an exhibit list with the proof of what I'll say. Our Declaration of Independence recognizes that a people have the self-evident right to throw off one government and set up a new one. James Madison, a delegate to the Federal Convention of 1787, where our present Constitution was drafted, invoked this principle as justification for the delegates ignoring their instructions to propose amendments to the Articles of Confederation and drafting a new Constitution, which created a new government. And the new constitution provided it would be provided when only nine of the 13 states approved it, whereas the Articles of Confederation required all of the states and the Congress to approve amendments to the Articles. But soon after our new constitution was ratified, and even before the new government went into operation, the Anti-Federalists started pushing for an Article 5 convention. Patrick Henry got the Virginia legislature to pass an application for Congress to call a convention. This application was presented to Congress right after the new government went into operation. Now, John Jay, who became our first Chief Justice, James Madison and Alexander Hamilton understood the right of the people to throw off their government. So when they saw what the Anti-Federalists were up to, they started warning against an Article 5 convention. My brilliant men flyer shows their warnings. Item five on the exhibit list shows what George Mason really said at the convention, and it's not what you heard today. Okay, ma'am. I'm so sorry, but we, we're literally against a hard stop because somebody has this room. So one uh, minute to finish up, please. Uh, one minute. Item five also shows that Madison warned that those who secretly wished to get a new constitution would push for an Article 5 convention under the pretext of getting amendments. That's what's going on today. New constitutions are already prepared or in the works, and one of them has been prepared by Professor Robert P. George, who is a member of Mark Meckler's Convention of States Legal Advisory Board. That proposed new constitution provides constitutional authority for gun controls and red flag confiscations. Mr. Chairman, may I come back at the next hearing and finish, please? Ma'am, I'm going to think about that, but we're going to cut you off now. So uh, everybody, we're going to adjourn the meeting because uh, this room's book for the Republican caucus. I do want to say um, there are some of the charges against uh, the Convention of State folks. I'll let that you address that. And we will take up Senator Beitman's bill, and we will finish it, and then we will work on this a little bit more. We have other things to do. We're adjourned. Wow, folks, you have been watching a live hearing of the Wyoming Senate Committee on Corporations, Elections, and Political Subdivisions in consideration of our Article 5 Convention of States legislation titled in that legislature SJ11. I'm Rita Peters. I'm the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States Action. And wow, that hearing was something.
if you caught the end there where the chairman was referring to allegations against convention of states, at one point, one of the men who testified said that the people who are behind this, us, convention of states, have actually written a whole new constitution. Well, folks, that isn't true. That is absolutely not true. It's ridiculous. So the chairman is determined to give Mark Meckler or someone on behalf of our organization a chance to rebut that outrageous charge. Um, it's hard not to laugh, you guys, when we hear this kind of thing in committee, but the outrageous charges always come, especially when we get people like Joanna Martin, who calls herself sometimes Publius Holda. When we get people like that testifying, you never know what they're going to say. But it's refreshing that the chairman recognizes that as a potentially slanderous allegation, which it is, and is going to give us a chance to respond to that on Thursday. So what happened here at the committee hearing was they just ran out of time. They had a hard stop just now because someone else, the Republican caucus, has that committee room reserved. So they didn't get to quite finish taking testimony on the bill. They didn't get to allow Mark Meckler to rebut the outlandish, crazy allegation against Convention of States. And of course, they also didn't get to vote yet on the resolution. The chairman says they will be back in on Thursday to do all of those things. Now, I think we have Regional Director Dave Schneider standing by, ready to come on and give us his reaction and do a little interview with us. And it looks like Dave isn't quite here yet. Also, it, we might be able to get Mark Meckler on for his reaction as well, but we don't have them available yet. Producer G is working on that. Thank you, Producer G. So what we saw today in this Wyoming Senate Committee on Corporations, Elections, and Political Subdivisions, we saw our champion there, Senator Dan Larson, who is our primary sponsor on the Senate side in Wyoming. He introduced the resolution, sort of took the committee through that resolution, which is an application for an Article 5 Convention of the States to propose amendments. And Senator Larson did a great job of specifying that under this application, the convention could only consider amendment proposals on three topics. And those are imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, government, and setting term limits for federal officials and members of Congress. So that's what is under consideration. We heard a few members of the public testify in favor, a few opponents, and it looks like Producer G has Dave Schneider for us. Dave, how do you think it went? You know, it was kind of frustrating today, uh, obviously, with the uh, back and forth uh, in the committee uh, between opponents and proponents. And certainly, uh, um, it was frustrating for me because I couldn't control that process. But I think it, overall, it went really well in the fact that uh, we had some really compelling testimony. Unfortunately, I think more opponents got up today, but we had way more folks waiting to go. Um, so it's good that the, the chair is actually going to hear some more for us, from us on Thursday, uh, some of the allegations that were 
um, sent our way were pretty pretty scandalous, and uh, certainly want to address some of that on Thursday. So we'll be ready to go. That's great, Dave. Yeah, I about fell out of my chair as Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs when I heard that we had supposedly drafted a new constitution <laughs> that we're waiting to put in place. I don't know where people come up with this stuff, but were you shocked when you heard that, Dave? What was the reaction? Yeah, I've heard that one before, but I was actually pretty shocked as we debunked it pretty, pretty early uh, when I first heard it last year. So it's resurfacing again. All these rumors and innuendos that we get levied against us is just recycled information. Um, you know, it's, it's fine. We'll, we'll address it. But the one that really got me was uh, an attorney, Andy Schlafly, uh, actually said that a convention of states can self-ratify an amendment. Um, boy, I, I'm not an attorney, but I uh, can read the Constitution. And he pretends to be a constitutionalist as well. So, wow, that's all I got to say on that one. Yeah. Dave, well, we don't want to keep you too long because we know you are there to support the grassroots and, and be there with them. Um, I love that our supporters were out there. We heard from Julie. and Julie is just a longtime U.S. champion. She does such a great job there in Wyoming. Um, I'm wondering, is it going to be a hardship on people to have to try to come back on Thursday? I know weather conditions are terrible there, so it's probably hard for them to get there today. Um, how do you think people are feeling about that? Well, there's about two feet of snow on the ground, and a lot of it just came over the last couple of days, the last 48 hours. So roads are horrible, uh, and Cheyenne's really kind of notoriously hard to get to as well. It's in the corner of the state, so it's really tough. And, you know, we've got somebody joining me there. Hey. <laughs> so it's going to be really tough on Thursday. I know Mark's going to be busy. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be pretty tied up in another legislature that day, so it's going to be a really challenge for him to come back. Yeah, I just talked to the chairman. He really does want to hear further time. He was very frustrated by this the slanders, and uh, he's a supporter. He just said that that really frustrates me. Yeah, I know Mark is scheduled to be in Idaho for a big event we have out there in a couple of days, and it's a jam-packed schedule, so Mark will have to figure something out. Mark, did you about fall out of your chair when you heard that we were proposing a new constitution? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was watching the, the Slack channel, and I'm just glad that you're going out, and we're going to do a full investigation, much better than what the Supreme Court did, is we're going to find out who on the staff is proposing a new constitution without our permission. Oh, so, so funny. Um, Mark, how did you think it went today? And were you impressed and inspired by the grassroots in Wyoming who went out in two feet of snow early in the morning to be there to do the work of self-governance? Yeah, it's cold. It's great to see it. And we got to give special kudos to Julie Baker. I mean, she drove all the way across the state for over seven hours on icy roads to get here, super crazy, dangerous conditions. Uh, so she's she's just a rock star, and she's exemplary. It shows what the grassroots here is made of. These are special people who are willing to come out in the harsh weather to do the right thing, and, and I think we're going to get it done here because of those people. Absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you for being there. Dave, for our viewers who are watching from Wyoming, what can they do to help? Well, absolutely. Go to wyomingcos.com. We have a landing page set up specifically for Wyoming. 
Uh, we have call to action that will continually be updated as things progress through the legislature. So wyomingcos.com will send you right to the latest. Uh, we'll get an update today with what happened here in the legislature. We'll continue to update it as things progress. Great. Mark, any parting shots? Just thank you guys for watching. We appreciate you staying in the fight, and I'll see you all in Idaho here in a day or so. Thank you, And go, go Montana. Yep, Montana's up for our next special edition later today. So hope everyone will come back this afternoon. Thanks, Dave. All right, we'll see you guys. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.